0: Bienvenue au Tour de France Femmes, c'est la première étape, Clermont-Ferrand, Clermont-Ferrand. À toi, Abby.
1: All right, we're here for stage 1 of the Tour de France Femmes avec Swift. My name is Abby Mickey
2: and I'm at the knife.
1: And I, for the first episode, I've roped in Iris Slavendel. Hello, (laughs) it's me. (laughs) You were on the bike all day, but now you're here. Exactly, yeah.
3: (laughs) Different bike though, just to be clear.
1: Yeah, true, very true. Um, How weird is it like being at the race as a former rider? And I feel like I felt yesterday when I was kind of looking at the teams, I was like, there are teams that I don't know a single person on the team, which is not a thing I would have experienced like two years ago.
3: True, I think it's a, it's a little bit mixed feeling because on one hand, like you see riders you know really well and you're like saying hi and you're excited to see each other again, and on the other hand, it's like you're also now on the other side, mm. right? Your media, yeah. so it's a little bit different, of course, than being yeah. really in a peloton.
1: That's true. Yeah, there's definitely like this kind of invisible
3: yes. shield. Yeah. Yes.
1: They're a little yeah. bit more closed off.
3: Some, some, some. not. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. uh,
1: as we'll hear it later on, Actual Woman Passio, she never holds back um, when she has thoughts. But let's talk about the stage, the first stage. The guys, when they introduce their pods, they usually do a vibe check.
2: I can do a vibe check. We're sitting in a little square in the middle of Clermont-Ferrand. Um, there's a nice little fountain bubbling away behind us, which is lovely. Uh, we've got a giant cathedral just over there. Yeah, it's nice. The, the heat of the day has kind of disappeared. Nice breeze blowing through. People eating dinner, we're going to have some drinks. Yeah, vibes are good, I would say.
1: Yeah, very good vibes. (laughs) Definitely. So I think we kind of covered a bit yesterday the pre-race, going into the race, the favourites and everything like that. It was really clear on the start and leading up to the day that Works was the team to beat, and then, wow, did they just demolish everybody. It was interesting, I feel like, going into that final climb, you could tell the pace was really high. Up to that point, it was... It was a pretty easy day. You said on the on the moto that it was quite boring uh, <laughs> for a lot of the stage.
3: Well, I wouldn't say it was boring. Yeah, I think also here it's it's different, you know. I know when I was a rider and I would be in that race, it would not be boring. Mm. Because it would be super nervous. It would be hectic. You you know, you would all want to be in front. You also saw that the, the peloton was really... Um, like close together all the time like super condensed so you know it's hard to uh to move up to the front in the peloton actually the speed was quite high as well
1: oh my god um, that was amazing did you guys see what she just said she held it with her like head and opened the
3: continue great
1: um
3: and um yeah so i think actually for the riders in the peloton it was not an easy day and not a boring day but Yeah, maybe for the viewers it looked a bit more boring.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a typical like uh, one solo attack and then someone tried to bridge and then they brought it back and then another solo attack kind of day. But then once they got closer to that climb it really picked up pace and the roads also got a lot more technical. It was like a full-blown like sprint-like lead out into the base of that climb which was really interesting.
3: Yeah, and I think also the first part of the race was just not so suitable for attacks because it was super exposed it was you could see riders like for a long time in front of you so it was quite demotivating i think to even (laughs) give it a try
1: yeah yeah you could you could tell and because there was a there's obviously a lot of like smaller french teams in the race that they would want to get the jersey on tv but you know to a you got to to a certain extent right
2: yeah, as Zira said, I think the conditions just weren't right for it, and, um, and it was, you know for viewers, it was a pretty slow start to the tour, but I think as it ramped up there into that, that climb towards the end, it really picked up, and I just want to shout out Marlon Rooster again, we've talked about her so much this season, but man, once she came to the front and just you know set the pace up that climb, she's just such an impressive rider and, and really set up that finale beautifully for her teammates.
1: Yeah, the the lead out into that climb, she was just exactly what you'd expect, right? Like she set the pace super high and it was only what 1.7 kilometers, but the pace that they were going, there were riders just like splitting out spitting out the back for 10k before they even hit the base of the actual climb. We were watching it and we were like, "When does the actual climb start?" because yes. that's a very small peloton. Exactly.
3: And I think Exa- yeah exactly what you say, like that part before the, before the climb between maybe this the the intermediate sprint and the climb it was I think from that point it was just the race was on, it was a lot more technical it was like it felt like a a roller coaster on the bike, it was constantly like um, uh, accelerating, braking like sharp corners. <laughs> what are you laughing
1: because I just have this like image of you on the back of the motorbike being like, wee <laughs> is going around
3: a corner. <laughs> well, I was like holding on tight. <laughs> so I was not arms in the air. I was holding on tight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that was image. how it felt. Yeah. 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 Good image.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, it was the moment that Kapeki decided to go, you could tell that there was a lot of hesitation in that group, or just like nobody saw it coming, which is really surprising given that it's Kapeki. Like, it you you would think she's such a strong rider she's won you know Strada she's won Flanders I think
3: the pace on that climb was already so high yeah that maybe they even saw it coming but just nobody could respond because the riders yeah. that I mean actually she did try to respond I think I just watched it back but I I mean she just stood up and sat down basically yeah. straight away again so I think this is what Kopecky is so good at and that's I mean, maybe only the Mariana Force of like 2006, 8, 10 was a rider who could do s- something similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that's a great comparison, I think. And um, She was one that I, I think a lot of people had picked for today, given that it was like like an uphill sprint. Yeah. It was a great finish for her. But yeah, Capecchi was like amazing and Kasia said at the finish that she just had forgotten that Capecchi was there. Because because when you're looking at SC Works, they've got you know if it comes down to a sprint, they've got Weebus. Yeah. They, they've got Demi and Marlin pulling on the front, yeah. and you there's you only have two eyes in your head. You can't keep an eye on every single SC Works rider that could win the race. And Kopecky may have been the strongest one on the day, but it's like it's insane to think that she. I think she did like get a little bit of a surprise attack on everybody.
2: Yeah, I think um, Ash Mulman also said something similar after the. <laughs> Cheers. <So> um <laughs> <laughs> said something similar after the stage that, uh, you know, she was expecting Kopecky to attack and that she'd been aware before the stage that that was going to happen. And yet in the moment when it happened, she still was surprised by it. Like that. You know, I think she, she was hard on herself. She was saying, I was so focused on following Demi Vollering's wheel, so glued to her that I just didn't even think about Kopecky in that moment.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I think that is, of course, the strength of the team they have so much depth within that team that's just crazy that you could that you can say almost for every stage you can name one two or even three possible stage winners already
1: yeah it's crazy and we'll talk about tomorrow in a second because i think it's another good one for them
3: i think actually one other thing what i found really interesting i mean i was behind the peloton so Mm. i didn't see it super clearly but it sounded like little Trek was actually pacing really oh, hard yeah. towards were the climb
1: full gas into the climb they had like Ilaria on the front like it was like a full lead out like sprint into the climb and um it was surprising that I think Eliza had not a great day because she wasn't yeah. in that that second chasing group uh they had like Spratty in that third chasing group and then once the groups came back together which we'll get to in a second they had more numbers in it yeah but yeah they weren't they weren't in. Once uh, Kopecky went, they had nobody.
3: No, but they did try to make the race really hard. They did. Yeah. So I think also they counted more on, like, for example, dropping Weebus. Yeah. Rather than taking Kopecky into account.
1: Oh my gosh! There's just like so much to talk about because we also have to talk about the fact that Weebus held on for like yeah. most of that climb. I mean,
3: and Charlotte Cole.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think that was even more impressive because if yeah. you look to the Giro, Weebus was one of the top 20 climbers maybe yeah, we could yeah. say in the Giro. Yeah. So I was not surprised she could hold on so long today but Cole, I was surprised she could hold on. Like she out climbed La Busse, for example yeah. her own teammate, her GC yeah. leader yeah. so I think that was something that I was literally like wow <laughs> that's really that says a lot for this race
1: Yeah, seriously. Agreed. For Cole
3: especially. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean we knew she was riding well coming into it she won almost every single stage of the Balois Ladies Tour. So we knew the form was there, but okay, to climb but like th- that yeah,
3: Exactly. The difference between the Balwas Ladies Springhead Tour and today's <laughs> final is big quite difference.
1: big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I want to talk about the chase. So coming over the top of the climb, Kopecky had three seconds maybe. It was not a big gap. And there was a group behind her that had two Canyon Stram riders, three FDJ Suez riders, Ashley Mompacio, Demi. And that group could not work together. There was no cohesion in that group. You had Ashley and Avita Music on the front pulling, but Canyon Stram wasn't doing anything to help. And in fact, when they got closer to the finish, Cassius started attacking. So that was counterintuitive to the yeah. chase. And the whole thing was kind of a mess to see. And one of the... One of the big questions I think coming out of the stage, because we just keep seeing this over and over again, is that, like, when SC Works has the numbers, people won't work together. And it's Ashley was asked by Gracie Elvin why, if if they talk, if in the group they're talking to each other, if the directors are talking to each other, and she said, yeah, like everyone's talking to each other. The directors on opposing teams talk to each other. How can we beat SC Works? But the moment it comes to the actual race. People just cannot organize yeah. and work together.
2: And why is that? Is that the case of just the exhaustion over the top of a, a climb like that? Or is it that they just get their own ambitions in their head at that moment? Or they just don't think? Or what is it that happens?
3: I think in a stage like today, of course, it also has to do with like the bigger picture of the GC coming in. So I think a lot of riders think, well, I mean, Kopecky is not the most it's not going to be the biggest threat on the tourmalet so uh we think think, yeah (laughs) now you know well before this morning but (laughs) maybe now we we think differently but uh, i think that's something what a lot of gc riders have on their mind like okay well maybe it would be nice to take the stage but maybe i'm not going to do all the chasing because i'm riding for the gc here (laughs) so it's mostly the the gc riders looking to each other but i I mean, especially a team like FDC with three riders ending up in that first chasing group. Yeah, I think it's pretty incredible that they don't chase and I also don't understand it.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the fingers were pointed at Canyon Stram at the end of the stage because they had two and they didn't put anyone in the chase. I feel like FDJ, like at least they put one person in the chase and they're obviously going to save Seelay as their GC rider but uh but the whole thing is like it's like we see it time and time again and and everyone's so frustrated by it but then no one no one's proactive
3: we have to put uh you in a car maybe uh one of the SS, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know
2: would <laughs> be great no but i mean yeah it, it's
3: it's a topic it's a topic that comes back every time and and i think yeah i I also often don't understand it, and and also talking with other riders, they don't understand it, but they do it in the race. So mm-hmm. it's also a little bit like when you're in there. I think sometimes it's hard to maybe take the decision or to actually do it or don't do it, like don't help SD Works. And when you're outside and you're looking at... Like, I had this discussion a few times with Ella van Dijk, and she's like, I really don't get it this season. Yeah. But she said, when I'm in the peloton, then I might have done the same, because you're, yeah. like, in this...
2: Yeah, it's interesting to me that we've seen so much of it this season. It feels like it's been more this season than in recent seasons. And is that just simply the SD Works effect, the fact that they've been so, so strong this year, do you think? Well,
3: I think it's not more this season, actually, but I think... SD works is just a lot more dominant this season. So it's more in comparison to their performance, I think, or more, yeah.
1: I want to really quick throw to an audio diary from Ashley moomin because she was obviously involved in that chase and quite frustrated at the end of the day, like having no teammates. So she obviously didn't want to chase but had no choice with the bigger picture in mind as well. So let's hear from Ashley.
4: Hey, Abby. So um the Tour de France family of X-Wift. Um, has started. And yeah, it was a, a pretty exciting um, start, especially the final. Um, the beginning part of the race was maybe um, a little bit boring and quite slow, um, but we definitely made up for it um, in the final. Um, it was uh, super aggressive, super hectic. Uh, my team did a fantastic job of looking after me uh, throughout the day. And then um, they dropped me off in perfect position going into the final climb. Um, I felt really good. I focused um, on following uh, Demi, of course, because, uh, you know, she's the GC rider from Estiworks. Um, however, um, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew uh, Lota Kopecky was really a rider um, that could win today's stage. Um, and so, yeah, it's a little bit kind of annoying um, that I sort of lost focus on her uh, because, yeah, she did a perfect job of, um, you know, using the element of surprise at just the right moment. Um, just before we summited the the last climb, um, Cassie and I uh, responded as quickly as we could um, to try and bring it back. Um, unfortunately, we just didn't make contact with Kopeki before we started the descent. And then, yeah, it was quite frustrating um, that uh, the team's that were there with numbers didn't really cooperate um, to chase. I mean, FDJ had, I think three riders and um, likewise with uh, Canyon SRAM. So that's a little bit frustrating because it kind of felt like um, they were settling to race um, for second or or third. And they started attacking and counterattacking in the last kilometers, which is definitely not cohesive (laughs) to bringing Kopeki back. Um, But either way, you know, legs felt good. Um, I tried to go for a sprint. I opened it up pretty early, so I did quite a long sprint, um, but at the end of the day, I'm really happy with um, my results, with the way we've started the race, and how my legs are feeling. The team is certainly really motivated, and I I really feel um, the support from everyone, from the fans. You know, I have uh, family members out here, Rockcob Collective uh, members who are also out um, on course. So I I definitely feel the love, and I feel um, the people who are here and who are who believe in me. Um, so yeah we're off to a good start Um, and then yeah just unfortunate that of course we lost a a really important member of our team Um, Maria Benito unfortunately had just a a silly crash Um, but it seems like um, she's going she's suffering from concussion so um, she's out of the race but yeah we are still um, super motivated and um, yeah I'm confident in my teammates and um, in the team we have here so onwards and upwards to the next stage.
1: Speaking of riders in that group, we also had Veronica Ewers, who made it over the top in that first chase. I'm a huge fan, so great ride from Veronica, but she sent in an audio diary about the day, so let's hear from her really quick. Stage one, done under the
5: belt. Um, Surprisingly easy to start off. Um, I really anticipated it being full gas from the gun, but it was fairly tame for the majority of the race until about, uh, uh, 35, 30 K to go. Um, then it started getting, uh, a bit more nervous. Um, and then, yeah, it was a pretty much a lead out into the right turn to go to the base of the, uh, last, you know, main climb of the day. Um, yeah. And then I, I personally was with, The toward the front on that climb and then Lata laid down the hammer and my oh my I did not have the legs to hang on um so that was yeah that was tough um but managed to stay with the main chasing group right behind her um uh yeah it was a fairly nervous in the bunch I would say I think just with such a big race and whatnot, starting out. um, And uh, yeah. But I think now that we're really in the race, um, nerves hopefully will be somewhat tame. um, And now we're just fully in the race. Um, But yeah, it's so incredible starting today and getting to the race and seeing so many fans. yeah it's amazing i'm so stoked to see so many people out um, supporting the race and it's really cool knowing that so many are here specifically for the women um when last year when we started it wasn't we weren't totally sure how many people were there specifically for the women versus for the men since we were starting in Champs-Élysées and they were finishing the same day there um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see so many people out supporting still um, and hope that that continues uh, through the week. Um, tomorrow should be a massive day. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see how it goes.
1: One final audio diary right now, and then we'll transition into talking about, I think, tomorrow's stage or something else about today's stage. We'll figure it out when we come out of the audio diary from Vittoria Guanzini, one of the teammates of the three FDJ riders that were up there. As a sprinter, it wasn't her day today, but she's coming back from injury, so awesome to hear what she had to say about the stage. Hi, Escape and hi, Abby.
6: Well, it was a great emotion to be at the start of my second Tour de France Femme. Uh, it's really a race like no other we experienced it last year for the first time and uh, yeah it's uh, really special um, compared to all the other races the atmosphere is incredible Incredible. we saw it today at the start and the finish in Clermont-Ferrand but uh, the crowd was amazing all over the course there were so many fans cheering for us uh, even when i was dropped they uh, kept cheering everyone and uh, they really motivate you to give uh, more than 100%. It, uh, I was feeling a bit nervous to come back racing here, because it's uh, my first uh, race since the, since the crash before Roubaix. So, yeah, it's uh, not easy to come back with this uh, full gas racing. Uh, the Manche. is a bit uh, nervous as well, because uh, first stage everyone wants to take the yellow jersey. Uh, as for the race, uh, actually the first part was uh, quite calm, relatively calm because uh, uh, pretty flat, so no many big attacks, uh, no breakaways. And yeah it was mostly about the, all, all about the second part with the up and, up and downs, the sprint for the green jersey and after yeah, the QM who, which brought to the finish. Uh, we knew that there will be attacks there, and our tactic was to try to protect uh, Sile, um, and uh, also to bring David and Marta maybe in the best position to uh, start the climb, and uh, then see how it goes. Uh, but I think the next stages will su- suit uh, more to the team, so we will try again to give our best, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, that uh, yeah. I will find again my race freedom uh, to be more confident in the bunch. And also the legs will improve from here to next Sunday. For now, I will give everything to help the team and then we will see. Hopefully we will come back with some stage wins. Last year was amazing. So we want to experience that those feelings again.
1: So the stage, Matt, you texted me from the finish line and you thought, okay, today is a really good day for Boss. How do we feel about, about Voss today?
3: I think she do, did really what she could. It was, this was her max. Yeah. And I think she did really well holding on on that climb, actually. And she got beaten in a sprint by two girls that are simply faster at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think the point we were making earlier in the day was also that maybe Voss of a couple of years ago might have won the stage or might have you know, been better in that sprint there. But yeah, there's just faster riders at the moment and... Yeah, did everything she could.
1: Voss's teammates also I want to mention because Anna Henderson looked awesome today. She made it over with that first split and then Rihanna Marcus who is in theory their GC rider for later in the week. She was in the second chase on the road so the third group and when it came back together she obviously finished with the the main bunch but I was really surprised to see her getting dropped on that climb along with Elise Langoborghini. the two of them I would have thought that that wouldn't be that much it wouldn't be that much of a challenge for them to hold on to that group so I was surprised
3: yeah and I was even more surprised by Juliette Labouche actually being dropped on that climb yeah. uh, which I was quite sad to see because I really hoped she would be a strong outsider for the podium um, I also think that this specific climb and that's also something that mentioned in uh, in interviews after the race. It is not a typical climber climb. It's an explosive climb and that's also why why someone like Copecki does really well on it and I think we can't really say oh well for example Marcus or Labuse are completely out of the run for a good GC. It's yeah. It's going to be completely different later on in the week.
2: Yeah, 100%. And also tomorrow, I think we'll get a much better idea. The climbs are a bit longer. There's more of them. I think we'll get a much clearer idea there of whether those GC contenders, those contenders for the podium are having a good race or are going to have a good race. Um, and like you said, yeah, today's climb is just maybe a bit too punchy for them.
1: I really want to talk about tomorrow because it it didn't look like it was going to be like a completely insane stage until... I was listening to one of Demi Vollering's interviews after the race and she referred to it as the queen stage with the most amount of elevation gain in the day. Uh, And I went back and looked at it and actually it's brutal.
3: Yes, it's 2,650 meters of elevation. So it's more than the Tourmalade stage. But it's also uh, 150k plus 8k neutral or something. So it's of course also a long stage. But yeah, I think tomorrow is going to be a very interesting stage again and um, same like day four I think these are for me two of the yeah, maybe key stages uh, before the Toumalin.
1: Yeah really long stages like back-to-back this year we've got the 150, 155 and then 170, well 185 when you add in the neutral which that's that's a lot I like it's not something especially coming off of the Giro where the stages were so short this year it's really interesting.
3: Yeah, but I think it's, I mean, it's the length is definitely not really a problem for the peloton, but on a stage like tomorrow, which has quite a lot of more narrow roads, like typical French, you know, it's winding all day, it's narrow, it's shitty asphalt, it's yeah. it's going to be a day where it's really important to save energy in any way. And, you know, riders that are really good at like hiding themselves in a the bunch, but being in the front... Uh, I think those are the ones who get through the day the best. Obviously, well, it's maybe logic, it's every day like that, but I think especially on a date like tomorrow, it it makes a lot of difference, because because I think we will see the Peloton quite stretched out and even more nervous than today.
1: I'm also interested if the weather comes into play tomorrow, because it looks like it might rain, and if the roads are windy and it's technical, then wet roads could also be a problem. I don't know if it's going to rain, but oh that no. is the, the I did rumor not bring any raincoats. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who texted me, "Have you checked the weather?" <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> today the weather actually I think did impact the stage a bit. It was hot. It was really hot and like Emma Norsgaard came through the finish line and she just looked like she'd been riding her bike in a sauna for 3 hours. So I think the heat today would have taken a lot out of people more than they would have thought. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it was well, I know it was really hot.
1: <laughs> was in your
3: leather jacket, <laughs> sweating like <laughs> uh. crazy there you on that thing the uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe at the end of the week you see the leather jacket just walking without me like okay. <laughs> um, can stand on itself. Since
1: <laughs> I have the power of the internet, I looked it up and there's a 20% chance of rain in the morning. So okay. it's not a huge yeah. It's not huge, but um I don't
3: know. Well, I I think it's in general like a stage race. It's a Giro. It's the Tour. It's other stage races we've done in the past. Like it's every day is draining. So if it's the the heat, if it's the rain, if it's the like nerve nerve the the bunch being energy. exactly yeah, it's the positioning. So it's just um it's just a way of like it all adds up. Basically, and I think that's also the beauty of stage races. At the end of the of the week, there will be the, a winner that can cope with all of this the best. Uh, but yeah, we saw today a lot of, uh, well, I saw today a lot of riders going back, getting bottles, uh, getting uh, like ice bags. Um, yeah, it was quite quite busy uh, behind the peloton.
2: Something that Sarah Roy said, just to touch on the, the water stuff, she said there was... Um a lot of nervous energy in the bunch, and she she saw more people dropping biddens in the bunch today than than was normal. Like a lot of that nervous energy of the first stage, combined with people going back to the car a lot to get a water, a lot of water made for a, an interesting period, particularly there in the feed zone. She said,
3: "Yeah, I saw that too, and and you also see a big difference. For example, I saw uh, Elisa Balsamo, uh, Sanguinetti, Brandt. Riders they just pick up like ten bottles at a time or something, and you see other riders." Getting two bottles and uh, you know an ice bag and, and a gel, and it takes them a lot more energy, so you see a lot of difference in in how skilled riders are in in getting bottles just a, a simple sim, it 's a simple thing when you think about it yeah. or, but actually it 's not so simple and it 's something you also a skill you have to learn and you have to get used to, and especially in a race like. The two where there's a lot more things happening in the caravan as well, like there are more motards, there are more photographers, there are more cars. Um, So it's also a little bit more difficult for riders.
1: I'm going to throw to two more audio diaries. We have Audrey Cordon-Rigo of the Human Powered Health team and Ella Wiley from Life Plus Wahoo who had an interesting day of mechanicals today. Ill-timed mechanicals. Hopefully, can someone send her a chain catcher?
7: Hey, happy. I hope you had a good day. Um, I'm not sure I saw you today, but by the way, we have one way to see each other. Um, yeah, if I do have to um, resume uh, this first stage, uh, it's been uh, quite incredible uh, how many people were standing there for the team presentation this morning. It felt really good to be uh, there on the tour again and to to be in the middle of this crowd and uh, these good vibes because really you can feel people are really happy to be there and to cheer for us. So it felt very, very good. And um, and yeah, personally, uh yeah, I was trying to have it like easy day as much as I could until the last climb. Uh, we suffered a lot of crashes um, with the team. So I found myself a little bit alone. In the final, um, so yeah, I just tried to manage myself to be in the best position uh before this final climb, and I could hold on quite long. Um, yeah, a bit disappointed that I couldn't um be with at least the third group at the top of it, but I found myself with also really good riders like uh Riane or uh, Silvia Persico, um, who were also like with me in the climb, which means that. I was not that bad, um, so it's it's good. Um, yeah, it's good to see the legs out there. Um, we need to adjust a little bit with the girls, um, the way we we manage the the um, the race for tomorrow, and uh, and we and we will try again. I think we have to be aggressive. Uh, we have to try because when you see how strong our SD works again, uh, I think you need to yeah to have a shot. In front of them to, to, to hope for, for something good. So I think many other teams gonna think the same as us, and, uh, and tomorrow must be a little bit more uh, aggressive from, from the teams that have no chance um, if they wait for the final. So yeah, let's hope uh, we are allowed to go, and, uh, and that asSD uh, works, is fine with a group of riders going up the front and, and trying there. To, to stay up and, and, and to play for the, the stage win. Let's see. Um, yeah, I think this week is going to be really tough. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how I feel day after day. To me, it's going to be a bit of a classic every day, trying my best to to enjoy it and to yeah to just be there and and yeah, trying my best.
8: Hey, it's Ella Wiley from Life Plus Wahoo. I've just finished stage one of Le Tour de France Femme, Femme Avec Swift. And yeah, 126 k's today. Got it done. Um, it went by pretty quickly, to be fair. But uh, I was focused like the whole race today. So I'm pretty tired. I was actually gonna record my like thoughts on it while I was on the massage table, like inspired by G um but then I ended up having a bit of a nap to be fair, <laughs> not really a nap, but like i was uh, I was pretty relaxed. That's probably one of my favorite parts about stage racing is the the massage after and just getting a bit of a quiet time i'm actually just sitting in my bed right now (laughs) we've got half an hour to a a debrief um so we will just go over what happened today in the stage um talk about how everyone did their jobs or didn't do their jobs or uh, but we actually had a pretty good ride as a team today i think um unfortunately i had two mechanicals within the last 20k's so it kind of interrupted my positioning a little bit um one was happening when we descended from this town and I went from like maybe second or third row in the peloton to the back um so that's not really that fun I had to put my chain back on and then the second one happened with three k's to go I literally rode under the three kilometer barrier and was also putting my chain back on so not the best day in terms of that but um yeah I think um it was a pretty good start to the tour so uh we'll just see it's obviously a long tour and you know time gaps today will be definitely not as ah I don't know I'm just thinking ahead to like the tourmaline stage and that's a pretty big one and you can expect a lot bigger gaps there so there's definitely days to be making up time on and yeah I'm looking forward to it but yeah it was it was a good day today um pretty cool vibe lots of people um coming to watch us and lots of messages from home I think I saw a few kiwi flags um and the podium presentation and out on the road and yeah it's pretty special being on the other side of the world and still feeling the support i'm so really grateful for that and yeah that was my day today
1: <laughs> before we wrap up this episode with a little bit of history from jose bain which actually we're sitting in front of the uh, the cathedral that she's going to talk about today it is our backdrop so that's pretty cool but we got to talk about The dominance of SC works because going into tomorrow's stage it's like three of their riders are the favorites to win tomorrow's stage (laughs) and uh clearly like Weebus was riding amazing today Capecchi was riding amazing today Rooster looks uh, incredible Vollering is Vollering
2: yeah I'm kind of torn on this one I we've talked about this plenty throughout the season about how their dominance is kind of maybe not the best thing for fans of the sport or people that yeah love watching it but at the same time you've got to admire just how good they are and how well rounded a team they are and how many options they have for every stage, it feels like. I'm keen for your thoughts here about how you you see SD works as dominance on a day like that and, and for the season overall.
3: Well, I agree with you. Like especially when I'm commentating race, races, I'm sometimes a bit almost annoyed by it, their dominance, because it's so Yeah, I mean it's like what's the? So it's so predictable sometimes, and that's that's not fun to commentate on a predictable race outcome. But on the other hand, yeah, I also really admire them because they are the ones setting the bar, and it's up to the rest of the riders to, to you know, get to that level as well. I've been part of the Rabobank Lift team, which was very similar, and we also got quite a lot of criticism in those years, like 2013, 14 of like sweeping zero podiums, etc. But we were also a team that were just, you know, working super hard for it. And yeah, of course you, you are kind of lucky with having a really good group of riders together, but it's also something that you make as a sport director, as a team. So in that way also credits to them. Um, but yeah, of course, as a, as a fan of the sport, as a commentator, I would like to see a bit more uh, more of a fight. Uh, but you know it can also be completely different next year again so y- y- you know it's 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 not like it's now we're now going into the era of sd works i think it can be completely different next year and uh, and i mean i just hope as also for this tour that it's going to be really exciting until the very last weekend and i don't mind if dami wins if Annemiek wins if longa begini wins i just hope it's going to be exciting want, until until uh, uh, Sunday.
1: I want Elise Langeborg, you need to win for my fantasy competition, for the Escape Collective fantasy competition. Okay. Every day you get to pick a rider. The trick is you can never pick the same rider twice. Ooh. So for anyone who picked Demi Vollering today on purpose or on accident, you are screwed, my friend, because mm. well, Matt's winning with uh, his Capecchi pick. Infuriating, I picked Weebus, which was obviously a good pick, but not the best.
3: Okay, well, and who is your pick for tomorrow then?
1: You know, it's a great question. I, I'm really torn because I'm looking at that finish and at first I thought it was a Capecchi day. I was looking at that finish and I was like, this looks like a finish for Capecchi, but if you lump in the three point something kilometer long climb and then the climb that's on top of that climb, cause it like plateaus for a second, it's like 5K of climbing. So now with what Vollering said today after the race, I think it's a GC day and I think it's a volering day.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And actually what I was just thinking like, and um, I mean, great if they can pull it off, it would be also a little bit annoying again, but maybe, <laughs> I, I just imagined the, the Strade uh, scenario, oh, yeah. it could be very well possible tomorrow. <laughs>
1: You know, I still think that there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of something going on within the team between those two. I still get the vibe.
3: I don't know, but I think it's definitely possible those two go to the line tomorrow.
1: Well, if we have a repeat of Strada, then the drama is going to be like almost too much.
3: And something also really interesting for tomorrow is that there are actually bony seconds on the course.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's a great point. for whatever it's worth, uh, in Kopeki's press conference this afternoon, she said that absolutely the biggest goal of the week is GC with Demi, and that if she has to sacrifice her yellow jersey tomorrow, she'll do that without hesitation. That's obviously what she has to say, so I'm not sure how much to read into that, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out on the road, I guess.
1: All right, well, who's your pick then?
2: Yeah, uh, it's full of Okay, yeah. okay. I
1: just needed you to back me up. Okay. We're going to close out the episode with a final audio diary from Jess Allen. Just massive fan of her as well. And then when we come out of that, Jose Bain is going to give us a little bit of history. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Well, Matt and I will. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to rope Iris into these, but it might be an everyday thing. She's not signed up for it, but here we are. Thank you so much for listening to the Wheel Talk podcast on the Escape Collective Universal feed. And yeah, come back tomorrow. We'll be here all week
9: hey mate yes <clears throat> sorry voice is a little bit creaky after that um but yeah first day done um very chill start actually i thought it's uh you know usually a bit more hectic at the start of the first stage of the tour but um as a team we rode really well just together towards the front made us spent a bit too much energy but at the same time it's also nice to be at the front uh at the start of a big tour like that and uh get a bit of respect from other teams and also just stay out of trouble and have less stress, which I think we did well. Um, and, yeah, we uh, just tried to set Anae and uh, Alex up for the final and Alex just ran out of legs in the last K of the climb. Um, but other than that, she was super today. And then Anae did, did a good job to stay with the GC contenders and uh, finishing the front group behind Kopecky. But, uh, yeah, super impressive ride from Kopecky. Um just destroyed everyone and uh yep we're looking forward to tomorrow um and all the girls are in good spirits and it was a good team ride and yeah if there's anything else you want me to say you just let me know
0: today we started the Tour de France femme Alex Swift in Clermont-Ferrand and that is also the start place for the second stage. If you were already following along with these podcast entries during the Tour de France, um, you might remember me saying something about the volcanic cathedral that literally towers over the city. What I remember from visiting is that I found it mostly black and dirty. And that was a bit like the situation on site 10,000 years ago. The lava from which the building blocks of the cathedral originated was released during one of the most recent eruptions 10,000 years ago. The lava had a very high gas content, and that means water, carbon dioxide and sulfur dioxide. The eruption was highly explosive. A small part of the gas was trapped in the lava, creating the vacuoles, making the building blocks both light and strong. But the major part was released into the atmosphere, in a dense cloud together with aerosol particles, droplets and ash. Maybe you remember the Icelandic volcano in 2010. That eruption disrupted the air travel throughout the world for several days. And that is the same type of volcano, a stratovolcano. Well, enough volcanoes. We go to our Finnish town, which is in the department of Cantal. And this is also the name giver of a cheese. Cantal is one of the oldest cheeses of France. Even in Roman times, author Pliny the Elder references this cheese in one of his chronicles. You might remember from the men's race that Henri de Sénectaire, who brought the Sénectaire to the French courts of the Sun King, well, he also brought the Cantal to the king's cheese platter. Cantal is one of the 44 cheeses of France, which has an appellation d'origine contrôlée, meaning only cheese from a predetermined region can be called Cantal. It received this all the way back in 1956. The cheese is produced and named after the Mont de Cantal, where the cows graze on the higher pastures from May to October. The cows, called Salaires, have a high production of milk, so the cheeses are rather big. It comes in various sizes because they use different moulds for the raw cow's milk. The big ones are between 35 and 45 kilos, and the small ones around 10 kilos. The difference in weight in the big one has to do with age. Young cheeses contain more moisture than the older ones. It's a cheese that can be kept for months or even years and therefore was also interesting for the trade. Historic sources mentioned that a lot of the Cantal was transported transported to the Provence in the south of France. The cheese comes in three varieties following the time it had to ripen, which according to the AOC can only happen in certain areas as well. Yes, the French are serious about cheese. You have the Cantal Jeune, a young one of only one to two months, There's the Cantal Entre-Deux of between three and seven months and the Cantal Vieux, which is older than eight months. Nowadays, Cantal is also mass-produced in factories using pasteurized milk. But if you want the real stuff, look out for the Cantal Fermi.